This morning's reading is coming from the book of Acts, chapter 20, and I'm going to be reading from verse 17. Acts chapter 20, reading from verse 17. Let's hear the word of God. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what may happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among you whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember, that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day and with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. I've not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept and embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Amen, and thanks be to God for his word. Our second reading is from the Gospel of John, John chapter 21, and reading verse 15. This is an episode after Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's meeting with Peter after a breakfast. Peter, who has denied him three times. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, 
Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Amen. And thanks be to God. On Tuesday night, the elders of this church met together. We met as a Kirk session on Zoom. I'd rather meet in person. But there it is. Although don't knock Zoom. The, one of the advantages of it is when you've got a boring meeting, um, you can put your camera off and go make a coffee halfway through it. I didn't do that for the Kirk session meeting. I, I wish I could say the same about presbytery. We'll leave that there. Today's reading is about essentially a meeting of elders. Paul had been in Ephesus for three years. He'd got to know the folk very well. He planted a church there and then he'd moved on into Greece on mission work. But here he is moving back from Greece to Jerusalem and the boat that he's on passes through a place called Miletius, which is very close to Ephesus. So he calls the elders down to meet him from Ephesus for one last time. It's quite an important passage, this, because it gives us a little insight to what Paul is doing. In every place where he planted a church, he always appointed local leaders, elders, to carry on the work, to look after the folk, to do the teaching and the preaching, and, 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 and really to build the church up once he had moved on and left. That idea of local leaders is the same that we have in our churches today. In fact, the word for elder is the word presbyteros from where we get our word Presbyterian, which literally means that our churches in the Church of Scotland are governed, led by elders. At the local level, there's a group of elders called the Kirk Session, and, and they lead us as a congregation here, and they make decisions along with the minister. And then above that, we have the presbytery, which again comes from that word for elders, presbyteros. The presbytery is a gathering of elders from a region, in our case from the area around Hamilton, that make decisions as the church together. And then once a year, the elders meet with the ministers in the General Assembly at a national level. Leadership is really important. And there's different ways that different denominations do it. In, in our structure, it's not a hierarchy. It's a government by those elders, those people who God has called into leadership of the church. So here is Paul gathering together the church leaders with an important message for them. It is the last time he's going to see them. So these are his parting instructions as we're going to look at them today. If you are an elder, these certainly apply to you, but actually they apply to all of us that are in any form of Christian leadership, whether that be as Christian parents, leading and, and helping our children grow in the faith, or whether that be as Sunday school teachers or boys brigade or the committee of one of our organisations or anywhere where God puts us, where we influence other younger Christians, which actually is all of us as we are a church together.
The key verse I want to look at today is verse 28 of the passage. Let me just read it again. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Keep watch. I'm our building in D.L. St. Andrews, we have a caretaker who lives in a flat and his job is to look after the building. And I see Barry um, looking after the building, he walking out at night to check it's all locked up and the other tasks that he has. But this is a bit different and this is really, really important. As Paul writes to these leaders or, 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 or speaks with these leaders and tells them to keep watch, to keep guard, to look out, he's not telling them to look after a building. He's telling them to look after people. This is absolutely vital as we think about leadership. Our responsibility is not for a building or the structures of the church or even the organisations of the finances. It is for people. It's quite unfortunate in our day that the, the law of the land has talked about elders as charitable trustees, as if it's money and buildings that we're to look after. But the far higher calling of scripture is to that spiritual leadership of God's people. Whatever you're involved in, always remember that it's about people. God does not care about our building, but about the people who meet in it. God doesn't care about the boys' brigade. He cares about the boys. He doesn't care about the structures or the organizations that we're trying to preserve, or the stained glass or the windows or the history or any of that. It's always about the people. Are we enabling those people to know Jesus, to grow up in him, to learn to love him, to learn to know the truth of his scripture? That's what we're keeping watch for. But notice this, the first thing that Paul says in verse 28 is keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. Look out for yourself first. Now that doesn't seem like something you think you would hear in church, look after number one. But actually what it reminds us is of this. As a leader, your first responsibility is to look that you are staying close to Jesus, that you are depending on him, that you are being fed by him. And this is absolutely vitally important. There are too many folk in the church who have sometimes had an awful lot of influence, done an awful lot of service, but have lost their connection with Jesus. I was using an illustration this week. Um, so those of you who were at the midweek services as well have heard it. But when you go on a plane, remember when you used to be able to go on planes and there was always somebody who stood up at the front and gave you the safety instructions. And they would always tell you that if the cabin became depressurized, masks would fall down. And then fell a strange instruction, because what he always said is, parents, please put on your own mask before trying to help your children. It seems counterintuitive for a parent. The first thing a parent does is look after the people that are in their care, their, their, their children. But the point was simply this. If you can't breathe, then you're not much use to others. The same is spiritually true. Are you growing? Because you need to be if you're going to help others to grow. Are you loving Jesus more and more? You need to be 
if you're going to influence others to grow more and more. It's put this way by Paul as he writes to Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Elders, you cannot lead your people unless you're close to Christ. Sunday school teachers, you cannot teach your children properly unless you're being taught. We cannot look after one another unless each of us maintains that responsibility to stay close to Jesus. Look after yourself and the flock. Keep watch over yourselves and the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds. That idea of, of looking after other people. I, I suppose we use that language quite often when we talk about the minister and his flock. But the elder with their district has a responsibility as well. Or not just with their district. In fact, the elders have a responsibility for the whole of the congregation. But that responsibility also goes down to people who are teaching in Sunday school. It's a huge responsibility to help nurture our young people. Or those who are leading our youth organisations, a BB officer or, or, or someone who's, who's, who's leading in the guild. Or all of us to have that responsibility to shepherd and look after each other. It's actually a very strong idea in scripture, isn't it? That idea of, of, of spiritual leadership being the shepherd. It starts, of course, in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord who leads me by the still waters. The Lord who protects me. The Lord who gives me and provides for me all that I need. And that image is taken into the New Testament as well. John chapter 10, you might want to go and look that up where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I lay down my life for my sheep. But the Bible doesn't just talk about God as being our shepherd who leads us. It also speaks very clearly about the fact that God gives us one another and God gives us leaders who help to shepherd us, who help to be like Christ to us. To lead us in the way of truth. In the Old Testament, the king was often described as a shepherd. Of course, David had actually been a shepherd, but that image of the king as a shepherd of the people continues right through. And in the New Testament, we find this image in very strong ways. John chapter 21, um, which we, we, we read earlier, um, is a passage which speaks about that as well. Jesus saying to Peter, Feed my sheep, look after my lambs, be a shepherd. I'm going to have you this morning looking at all sorts of passages of scripture. Can I really encourage you when I do that to actually look them up, particularly if you can pause this because it's on YouTube. Find the passages, have a look. There's a, there's a brilliant um, passage in Acts 17, which we missed out, but, but you might want to have a look at that as well. And it's a people called the Bereans that Paul goes and speaks to. And the gospel says, or rather Luke says, the Bereans were of noble character. Why were they of noble character? Because of two things. First of all, as Paul began to preach to them, they were really listening. But secondly, because they weren't just eager to learn, they were looking up the scriptures to check that what he was saying was actually true. The Bereans weren't just learning stuff, they were being non-gullible people. They were being people who checked out, is this the truth? 
I'd love to have a congregation that actually want to go and say, is the minister right? Is what he's saying right? So I would encourage you this morning, look up the passages. But to go back to the passage I'm talking about just now, John chapter 21. Peter meets Jesus. Peter has failed. He has denied Jesus three times and Jesus is forgiving him. And then that word comes to Peter three times, feed my little sheep, take care of my lambs, look after my sheep. And here is what Jesus is saying to Peter. Peter, I trust you. Peter, I am giving into my hand, into your hands, that which is mine. I am the good shepherd. I have died for these sheep and now I'm asking you to shepherd them. It reminds us that if we're in any role of Christian leadership, we are given a huge responsibility by Jesus. Here's what Peter will, will read, sorry, will write himself to other elders. You can look this up. It's in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. He writes this. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown, the crown of glory that will never fade away. But that means that the Bible is saying to us that we're not just shepherds to each other, we're also the flock. You're my flock. What does that mean? Does that mean you're cute and cuddly and fluffy and photogenic, just like lovely little sheep? Actually, no, it doesn't. The Bible is quite clear what it means by sheep. Sheep are helpless. They are vulnerable. And they are also extremely stupid. I didn't really set out to insult you, but sheep are a bit dim. Most animals, if they're let loose from the field or the gates left open, will do one of two things. Either they'll make a bolt for it, they'll run away and never come back, make a bid for freedom, or they'll know which side the, their bread is buttered on and they'll just hang around because their owner feeds them and they don't want to go away. But sheep don't do either of those two things. Leave the gate open, the sheep just panic. They'll run to and from each way. They don't know what to do. That sheep. They're vulnerable, they're easily misled, they get lost. And yet the Bible repeatedly refers to us as sheep, not as cattle, not as dogs or pets, but as God's sheep. We get lost, we wander off, we fall down. And therefore that responsibility that we have to look after each other, to be willing to guide each other, to be willing to point one another to the shepherd who loves us and looks after us, to stay close to Jesus because silly sheep follow one another. And if you're wandering away from the shepherd, there are other people following you and being misled. It also means that there are wolves out there. And we need to be the shepherds and follow the shepherds that protect us. The wolves in this passage are people who will lead folk astray with false truths and false teaching. Of course, it needs also to come with humility. 
those of us that are called into leadership roles need first of all to recognise that we too need lead, we too need other people to keep us right. I'm always greatly encouraged by that passage in John 21 when it talks about Peter as the person who's to feed the sheep and look after. It's not that Jesus comes along and says, Peter, I'm looking for a Pope to tell everybody what to do and you're the best guy, the brightest guy, the most faithful guy. So we'll put you up on the leadership bit. There can be a big statue of you, you know, 10 foot above contradiction. and Everybody can follow you and we can have ministers and priests and people who are like that and leaders that everybody should look up to. Rather think about it. Jesus takes Peter aside at the moment that Peter knows his weakness. Peter has just denied Jesus three times. Peter has failed. Peter is coming to Jesus begging for forgiveness. And it's at that point that Jesus says, feed my sheep. Peter, at the point that you know that you need me, that you know your vulnerability, that you know your feelings, that you know how quickly it is that you wander off from the truth yourself. At that point, I ask you in that humility to lead and to feed and to represent me before others. Elders and those in leadership need to be aware that they're actually being asked to do something that's really, really important, not just to visit round and check folk are okay, but actually to bring that spiritual reality of the Lord to them. And sometimes we resist doing that because we think, well, who am I? People think I'm Holy Joe if I start to say I'll pray for them or offer to pray with them or, or do more. But just remember the story of Peter. It's actually at the point that we know that we fail, that we perhaps have the greatest realisation of the need to be led and corrected, loved and prayed for, that we can then offer that to one another. Sometimes church can be really hard. It can be hard because people are hard. Even folk in churches sometimes they can be cruel, they can be stupid, they can fight over really trivial things, they can really do our head in at times. Sometimes they can treat us pretty badly. And we've all been in places with churches where we thought, I don't need this in my life. I don't need this type of hassle. I deserve better than this. I shouldn't be treated like this. I shouldn't be ignored like this. And some Christians simply at that point leave or back off. But notice what this passage says. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. That really important verse. It says this, Keep watch over yourselves and the flock of which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. Notice what it says there. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood or the blood of his own. Here's the vital thing to remember as we complain about the church. It belongs to God and not us. And he paid for it. He paid for it in the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And so when we come to God and we say, God, these Christians are doing my head in. 
remember what he says to us is this. I know. I know. They frustrate me as well. I know because they let me down as well. But they are mine. And I love them. And I paid for them with the blood of my son. See, here's one thing every shepherd needs to know when they look after the sheep. And what we need to know as we look after one another. Yes, sheep can be incredibly stupid. Sheep can do the most daft things. They wander off and they get lost. But sheep, the shepherd knows, are also valuable. That's why the shepherd left the 99 in the field and went off to look for the one. Because every single one is valuable. And in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I willingly give my life for the sheep. This is the gospel, though, in a nutshell. People, all people, they're stupid. They're vulnerable. They're helpless. They get spiritually lost and they wander off. We all do it. And yet God comes and says, despite all of that, they are valuable. They are loved. And I give my life for them. That's why we stick with them at all times. We know the reality of sin. We are not blind to the feelings of each other. But we also never give up on anyone. They are never too much effort because God gave himself for them. And for those in leadership who tend to get frustrated sometimes by those they lead. Know this, people, yes, they are difficult, but what God has given you as he called you into leadership, as he entrusted you with children or with an organisation or with a district or with Christian friends, he said, I'm giving you something for which I have given my very life. I know how difficult they can be. I know how much it can cost you to love them. It cost me everything. I know how much... They really annoy you and you think, I can't give any more. But I died for them. What will you do for these that I value so much? As I read John 21, I'm, I'm always struck by this. Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And I wonder, is Peter saying, Jesus, you know that I love you? He's wanting Jesus to say back to him, I love you too, Peter. When you tell someone you love them, you generally want them to say that back, don't you? But Jesus doesn't say, Peter, I love you. He says, feed my sheep, look after my sheep, look after my lambs. But what is Jesus really saying to Peter? Peter, I'm not just going to tell you that I love you, that I forgive you. I'm going to show you. I am going to put into your hands the most valuable thing that I have, the thing that I died for, and that's them. I'm entrusting them to you. As we serve one another in the church, as we look after the children that are made our responsibility, as we take our baptismal vows, 
as we look after our districts as elders, as we care for one another in whatever way we do, do we have that same attitude? It's very easy to do church by what do I get out of it. I was uh, reading a few years back about a, a pastor who, well, he got plenty out of it. He got a big salary and he went to his congregation and he asked them, would they put some money together to buy him a jet plane because that's what he needed to get around. We laugh at pastors like that. They're just milking, fleecing the flock, getting as much as they can out of them. That's not what it's about at all, surely. Paul says to the folk in Ephesus, and you can read this at the end of the chapter, look, I didn't take anything from you. I, I worked to feed myself and I, I just, just loved you. But, you know, as we laugh at those pastors, we can be a bit like them. Because we can treat church about me and what I can get out of it. Are we singing the hymns I like? Are we doing things in a way that helps me spiritually? Am I being fulfilled in the things that I'm doing in church? Or we can recognise what Paul says when he says it is more blessed to give than to receive. And he's quoting Jesus at this point. The point is this. Church isn't about what I can get out of it or how I benefit from it or how I spiritually grow. It's actually about how I bless and what I do for each other, how I build other people up. So here is the challenge for us as we seek to be church in a new way, in a new environment. Can we find a place where we are both willing to be led and have other people encourage us and help us to grow and stay close to Jesus, but also a place where we can be that for one another, looking out for one another, building one another up, loving one another, even when it's hard. Not because we always like one another or because we get a lot out of those relationships, although I hope we do, but ultimately because Jesus died for these people. And he entrusted them to me and to you. Let us keep watch over ourselves and over the flock together. Amen.